So the big question is this. How do entrepreneurial salespeople like us, who have traditionally sold the loan and used gut and intuition to hit their number, take their innate talents and begin selling using science, technology, and the secrets of thousands who have done it before to crush their quota and change the world? That is the question, and this podcast provides the answers. Welcome, everybody, to today's podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about sales plays, what they are, how you should use them, not just at the top of the funnel in prospecting, but also in the bottom of the funnel. And to do that, we brought on two special guests uh, that I've recently just got to know, but I've been very impressed with the content, the thought process, and just the strategy, the go-to-market strategy from this group called the Brevet Group. Um, we have Ralph Grimsey, partner, and Brian Williams, also partner at the Brevet Group. <laughs> Ralph, Brian, thanks for joining. And how the heck are you? Excellent. Thanks, Gabe. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys jumping on. I'm excited to talk about plays. I've been passionate about this concept. We had a call probably a month ago, and I was like, oh my goodness, someone's thinking about this um, because I think there's so much more we can do around this concept of plays. But before we get into that, Ralph, maybe you can just start, take a minute, tell us just a little bit about yourself and the Brevet Group, and then Brian will go over to you. Sure. Excellent. So Ralph Grimsey, I'm a partner uh, with the Brevik Group based in San Francisco, California. Uh, we've been around for the last, what, six years. And it's been, uh, it's been a, an adventurous six years as, we, as we've seen the rise of sales enablement. Uh, we've been focused on really advising some of the best companies in the world around how to really get the most out, out of their sales enablement programs, whether it's how they're engaging their reps, their managers, uh, crafting in building sales methodologies, helping them with messaging, Overall, really helping to put together sort of a holistic program around sales enablement. We've been really excited to be a part of this this journey, and it's been uh, it's been a wild ride so far. Love it, love it, Brian. You want to just maybe take just a second to introduce yourself? Absolutely. So Brian Williams. I always uh, have to be as a part of uh, just complete transparency. Admit that I am a recovering academic. Uh, <laughs> I have a PhD uh, in uh, in marketing. It's been a lot of years studying really the science around sales, what makes sales performance uh, work, and that's a lot of what we try to do. Is we try to connect the concepts to field act. Activation. And we can talk more about, really, that's the principle underlying a lot of our thinking around plays. How do we take something that seems strategic, but also make it very practical so that reps can go execute this in their in their sales motion? So super happy to be a part of the conversation this afternoon. I love it. Love it. Interesting, you guys. Um, I always like to ask one question before we get into the quote-unquote salesy stuff. Um, anything interesting we should know about you two? Uh, again, Ralph, maybe we can start with you. Um, things you're passionate about, charities you're involved in, um, embarrassing moments, anything come to mind? You know, I think the thing that comes to mind is when I'm not talking about sales is I'm usually on my bike, I'm a recovering right? uh, right. you know, professional cyclist, and we're really trying to get back to that level of fitness. And it's been a it's it's been a hard road with uh, how busy we've been, but it's it's something that I'm passionate about. I spent a lot of time working on. I love it. I love it, um, uh, Brian. Over to you. Well, I think there may be a theme there. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a frustrated runner. I think one of the things if you talk to 
people who do run, I think they would really at their core admit that they hate running. Uh, I hate running, but I love the feeling afterwards. <laughs> I love what it does to you, the ability to eat a lot of food and not necessarily have the impact on that. But in what we do, right, uh, we travel a lot, and so you just don't have enough time for that. So that's that's always my uh. perpetual effort to try to find and carve out time to do more of that. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome to the club. I used to be a big exerciser, but it just um, too hard. Yeah, it's, it's no, harder. I, I should be more passionate. But what's actually worse now? You you have been there, but now you just feel guilty because you don't do it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That that's a conversation for another time. If you guys have figured out the secret, I with a couple kids and travel. I don't know. Yeah, I've gotten off that horse. But like I said, conversation for another time. Let's dive into plays for a minute. Maybe we can just start high level, talk through the definition. I think sometimes in sales, that's becoming a little more of a known term, like a play. Um, but I still think for a lot of people, they're kind of like, okay, what do you mean there, Ralph? Maybe we can start with you with definition, or what do we mean when we say play? Yeah, I, I think you're right, Gabe. I think it. It is a term that has really kind of started to hit the forefront of things of folks in sales enablement, people thinking about how to equip their reps to be successful is this idea of a play. Playbooks have been around forever, but if you, you know, like to say, if you've seen one playbook, you've seen one playbook. And I think that that mantra goes the same, same with plays. Um, for us, as we talk to our customers about plays, um, we're really our definition is we're really having them think about both the actions, the selling actions and messages that achieve a specific objective that will move a deal forward. Okay, so a lot of the plays that we've seen, if product marketing is coming out with plays, maybe they're just thinking about a message, right? Maybe it's a product message, maybe it's a use case message, um, but they're not attacking or attaching it to a specific action. What is that rep actually doing? Is it how are they communicating? Is it uh, what they're trying to achieve through a meeting or uh, doing something that's actually going to really propel that deal forward? So we want to combine both the action as well as that message that's going to move the deal forward. Interesting. And, 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 anything and, and, you'd and add to that, Brian? What's kind of been motivating this and, again, kind of tying back to really some of the academic research around this, which is this perpetual question, what makes a high-performing sales rep? I mean, how, how long have we... Mm-hmm tried to figure out the answer to that. And, you know, we've said, is it, is it a process that they follow? Is it some skill set? And I think one of the threads that you start seeing through the science is that your high-performing reps have a different sort of cognitive process in their brain. And what does that mean? It means that they're highly situationally aware. They're looking for the factors as they enter into an opportunity, whether it's early conversation, where it's a prospecting conversation, a qualifying conversation, or at later points, in that sales motion, they're looking for factors, and they're, then they're starting to pattern match. They're saying, hey, where have I seen this pattern before? And then when I pattern match, I start to think through what worked and maybe what did not work in the past, what message worked, mm-hmm. what sales action worked. So what we're trying to do is take what are actually the behaviors of your highest performing salespeople? How do you start to codify that? And each of these mm-hmm. factors matching up to a certain pattern, to a high probability message or sales action, that now becomes a play. And in our point of view is you can take that, what has historically been an individual trait, and make that more of an organizational capability. And I think that's where the power comes from. You start to then make what has historically been a fairly static sales process. Now you make that more of a, of a, a fluid and adaptive sales process as you're moving through those interaction points with your prospect. 
Got it. Do you feel like, I mean, sounds like you've been studying this. Um, I want to continue to double click on it. Are there certain aspects when you think about plays that make it or behaviors with these plays that make some better than others? Absolutely. I think one of the things that when you think about the plays, it's, it's really no different. The analogy we like to use is sort of that, that quarterback reading the defense. If I gave you an account map or a, uh, some research that maybe somebody did on a particular account that you're trying to prospect in, and I gave it to a, a core performer and I gave it to a high performer, the same information, what we're finding is that you know, the high performer is going to look at a different set of factors. They're going to look at it, um, other different sets of information and compile a different kind of holistic view of what might be going on in that account that's actually going to lead to them calling a different play or, or using a different play in that situation. The core rep, given the same information, may be looking, is, is interpreting that information differently. They don't have as robust of sort of a catalog of experiences or knowledge sets to sort of understand or to make the right connection into the right play. So I think the analogy for us is, you know, as you think about professional quarterbacks, they're doing the same thing sort of at the line of scrimmage. And we see, you know, every Sunday there's there's high performers and there's some core performers and a lot of low performers out there. And I think that's that's one of the analogies that we see holding true in, in the sales rep side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, any anything else to add to that? Um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I think one of the interesting things is um, people People at their core, your high performers are doing this naturally. I think the the magic of this thing is how do you have enough of a of a structured process where you start to extract what do your highest performing folks what are they doing what is the what are those factors just as that high performing quarterback analogy right they're coming to the line of scrimming scrimmage they're looking at certain situations on the field from that they're going back into their mental catalog of things they've seen in the past to try and figure out what that right play is not necessarily what the call and play is but what the right play in that moment is that's what's interesting for us is there is uh, an interesting sort of uh, structured process that you got to go through to extract that intelligence and that insight and then again codify it and that becomes the play. And what we see as you go through a, a typical sales cycle, there are a number of these decision points, we call them pivot points, where the rep is really being asked to pause. It's really being asked to then assess the situation, zoom in on a couple of situational factors, and then pick from a series of plays to run to maybe be more successful to then advance it to that next step. We see it early time, even you know, with the folks kind of in that early qualifying and prospecting stage. You know, the question comes: there's sort of a common mantra in our space. Hey, you want to lose fast, right? You're on a call with an early stage prospect. Yeah. How do we get some qualification factors? And we're gonna we're not gonna invest in time, and people are not qualified. We're gonna lose fast. And I think our view is maybe that's actually kind of the wrong thinking. You, yes, losing fast, I see the logic of that, but maybe we just need to pivot to run a different kind of play. Maybe that's more of a longer-term nurture play, or I need to try a different kind of message, or I need to engage with a different kind of stakeholder, etc. So it's that building in that intelligence okay. into the yep. process. Yeah. Do you feel like um, there are, I mean, you, you were just kind of mentioning this at the end there, that there are certain things that that make up good plays. It's like the audience, it's the messaging, mm-hmm. it's the, um, you know, potentially the tools or the assets you give. Um, 
Can you highlight, you know, if someone's thinking about building an optimal play, what, what are some of those key components? And, you know, Ralph, maybe we can start with you. What, what are the key components of a, of a play? Is it just the messaging and the assets and the audience? Or how do you have companies think through that? Yeah, I think those are, those are the core con- starting points. As you think about the message, um, you think about your audience. For us, the audience you know, extends to both the stakeholders as well as your industry vertical. Um, we do a lot of work sort of building plays for specific verticals. Um, obviously, you're going to have some connection into use cases. If you're selling software, you're going to have some connections into you know, some, some different ways that industry verticals and different audiences and stakeholders will be using your solution. The other thing that we really uh, talk a lot about is what what data can you be bringing into that conversation early in that play? Um, obviously, we've been in this insight-driven era of, of selling for the last few years, and I think it's still a core part of sort of getting, getting prospects' attention kind of early in the sales cycle. What can you be doing in terms of benchmarking or other, uh, other pieces of data that can kind of weave in to your, to your story to kind of run some in- initial plays and to start that conversation? Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if, you know, a lot of people, again, are, I mean, just being naturally in sales, we run quote unquote plays, whether we know it or not. Sometimes they're a little more unorganized, sometimes they are organized. What do you feel like is the reason that people go south on this? You know, where do we, why why do we, why are people not successful um, when they could be successful? And uh, Brian, maybe we can start with you. Yeah, you know, I think part of it is you have to step back. If you're an organization trying to execute a plan like this, you got to step back and realize that there are a lot of moving parts and they all have to work together. Let me just talk about a couple. One is this is something that's got to get executed in full partnership with marketing. Oftentimes we see marketing organizations cranking out a ton of content, talking points, value propositions, case studies. You know what? At the end of the day, it just sounds like a bunch of noise to the field. They're inundated with this stuff. How can we use plays as containers to start to organize this stuff for that uh, rep so they know when to use it, what works well, et cetera, et cetera. So you got to work in partnership with marketing. The other is the frontline um, coach, you know, the, the, the sales manager. Uh, how do we have uh, those individuals not only doing good coaching, and that's great, and we talked about that forever, right? But how do we get them to do the right kind of coaching? And so all of a sudden, there's an efficiency to the coaching that sounds like this. Hey, um, where are we in this opportunity? Uh, what's this deal look like? And the rep's going to say, well, the typical rep is going to just give you the long, boring, blah, blah, blah. And now the manager in a play kind of environment, they're zoomed into saying, okay, what is the situation it looks like? I'm seeing these factors. Ah, it looks like this pattern. Have you run this play? Oh, no, I haven't run that play. Okay, great. Go run this play. Come back to me. So there's an efficiency of coaching, but they have to be engaged with the rep and having that kind of dialogue for it to work. So that's where we see some of the key things is that they try to do it too much in a silo, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yep. I think the other thing um, I would add too is like where we've seen reps go wrong is they're they're calling the wrong play at the wrong time, right? Yeah, they've got you know, they've been in their motions, they've been calling quote unquote plays, whether they've they've realized it or not, but they're misreading the situation. And I think really having that high situational awareness around what's going on in that account, in that stakeholder that you're engaging, that's gonna really drive you calling the right play, right? And we see too many reps, you know, they're just they're misreading the situation. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm probably as guilty as that as anybody. And that, that, that's hard. Any quick thoughts on how do you read the situation better? Are there things that, is that just come with experience or thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a fundamental question we ask is people are like, oh, well, people are either kind of born with this or not. And we disagree. I, I actually think situational awareness in our experience is it can be taught. I mean, this is something, there is a, a, a system to it. What it starts to say is, is what, what is the set of frameworks what are the factors that we think are most important? And you can imagine now, again, by vertical, by you know, where are you engaging in that sales process, who are the different stakeholders, if you could start to codify a little bit more structure around, I'm going to ask this, I'm collecting these very uh, core pieces of information to frame the pattern, I'm not going to engage in a thousand questions of open-ended discovery, I'm going to be much more rifle shot targeted in that discovery to, to focus on the right uh, right factors. That's where you get to be more efficient. You can start to scale this to, to your average yeah. and the broader population and in, in time to sales team. Yeah, a, yeah, a, yeah a no, that makes story sense. on that point. We've got we've got a, a customer right now that's working with reps in their in kind of their new new hire onboarding cycle. And one of the things that the managers are having some really great success with along this play front is really just asking this rep as they look at a deal to match it, to say, what is this deal like? And, and what's happening over time is the reps are quickly being able to bucket. And now the conversation is like, oh, well, this is like that deal. And this one is like that deal. And this one's like that deal. And they're starting to build that, that library of experiences and catalog them in a way where they can call them back and say, listen, this is what worked here. So they're starting to, to define for themselves what those situational factors are, are starting to look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, though that makes perfect sense. Do you I love that story and I I'd love to just click on that in the last minute or two or maybe you've got one or two other examples. I think the thing that people sometimes um you know, as they think about strategies again whether it's prospecting or kind of on the closing side, you know, they're they know that they're supposed to cold call as an example, right? Or they know that they're supposed to reach out to people, but again, it's like Getting deeper into that, I think they lack just the awareness of what, you know, what, what, what does a good, what is a good play? Is there other stories or examples that come to mind that just help kind of make this real, kind of illustrate an example of somebody running a play top or bottom of funnel? Sure. Let's start. I'll take a top of funnel one. And then Brian, maybe you take a bottom of funnel one here. So one of the things that we've seen some great success with, and this was in joint partnership with, uh, with a client that worked really closely with marketing um, to build a bit of, uh, bit of a, a survey and a benchmark. And what we were able to do is we had the reps go through their account listing, each rep, and they've got about 100 accounts that they're focused on. We would run through a set of filters on these accounts based on the benchmarking and the survey work that was done by marketing to say, which one might be interested in this? And we looked at, we looked at size of company, we looked at industry, we looked at some potential use cases. So we ran a filter and each rep kind of got to about five or six of, of those accounts that would be really high value targets for this, uh, this play. So we, we, we codified that, we got the, the list of targets down, and then we built a series, an entire cadence around this play that started with uh, really some, some initial email outreach that was really taking advantage of that survey and the benchmarking that was available in that survey. And the message was, was pretty simple about really comparing that organization to the benchmark. And if they wanted to sort of learn more, set up an initial meeting. And that cadence, we're actually using some of the great insights and research that you guys have, have, have done at Inside Sales 
to really get the, uh, the cadence right. And we executed some pretty successful campaigns using this play. Our meeting rates out of that was around 40%, which blew away their historical averages. And it's been a really successful play that we've continued to modify as, and it's been this close connection with marketing to go out and really get content and really pinpointed assets into the reps' hands so they could run these plays against a, a hyper-focused uh, target list. Yeah, love it. That's that that that's that that's awesome. Uh, thanks, Ralph. Um, Brian, over to you. What, what did you mention? You maybe had a bottom funnel example. Yeah, I think it's a similar uh, sort of theme in the sense that we we working with a with a client, long sales cycle, a lot of touch points. These deals just get stuck. Have the early conversation. That's all well and good, but then they just get stuck because multiple reasons, right? So, how do we come in with a set of plays that maps the situation to say, okay? typically driven around the stakeholder. What is the pattern of the stakeholder that I'm dealing with or the multiple stakeholders? Are we really engaging the right people? Is there a set of content that we can be creating that we can actually put in the hands of that stakeholder to go find the other influencers to get these deals unstuck? So similarly, let's look through this list of these stuck deals. Let's put some factors around that. Let's start to filter out. Here are high probability ones. Now I can be much more targeted in my connect reconnecting efforts and say hey let's have a conversation i've got a piece of content i want to equip you i want to actually give this to you to go give to other people in the organization to re-engage this conversation and hopefully get this unstuck but again it's using that situational factor going to a very targeted play in a very specific point in that sales process all of a sudden you know using the right tool in the right situation seems to be more effective and that's sort of the spirit of a lot of this yeah, God, that makes such that, that just makes perfect sense, you guys. Well, um, time uh, is time's up. We r- wrap it up here. Um, Wanda just we kind of talked about a lot, a lot of different things, elements of plays, different stories of plays. Is there something uh, maybe just in summary? I'll give each of you kind of your thirty seconds, and then we'll we'll wrap here. Is is one thing you'd leave with leaders, or as people think about and try to build these? Ralph, maybe we can start with you. Summary statement on plays. Yeah, I, I would say I think this play momentum is only going to continue to grow. And the reason that we're seeing such success is that it starts to simplify the complex. Sales is not going to get any less complex. It's only going to get more complex. You see all the rise of, of AI. You see change, continued changes on the buying side. The job of sales is only going to get more complex. As a sales leader, you have to be thinking about how and how can you approach programmatically tools and skills and messages to make things simpler for your reps and simpler for your your managers. And this world of complexity, we think the sort of move to plays really helps to drive that home uh, with the reps. So I think if my tips to the sales leader is that this this wave is coming. It's only going to increase. And the quicker you can start to think about your world in patterns, the quicker you can think about your world in terms of deploying plays to be successful, the easier it's going to be for your teams. Love it. Love it. Um, Brian, over to you. Yeah, and I'd agree. And I think the language we use oftentimes as we have a conversation with the CSO is a mindset, a construct like this, all of a sudden that becomes the operating platform to enable great sales performance 
in your company. Because right now, I've got to have a common structure that I can get marketing engaged, I can get my managers engaged, I can, we can talk about sales methodology, we can talk about CRM. All of a sudden, this playbook construct is that anchor that lines everything up. And to Ralph's point, it starts to simplify it for the, for the rep, because, you know, they live in a very noisy, complex world. So that's what the power is. And I, to, to Ralph's point, how do we get the CSOs to, I think, move aggressively toward this, which ultimately, I think, simplifies their job, even internally, to help organize all these resources and moving parts for sales performance. Love it. Love it. All right, guys, thanks so much for joining. Um, interesting talk track about plays. Um, Ralph, if someone wants to learn a little bit more about Brevet Group or get an idea, uh, just understand more some of your guys' content, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I think the best resource uh, for the audience is to check us out at thebrevetgroup.com. Uh, lots of great resources. Uh, join our mailing list. We've got uh, some great content. We try not, we definitely don't spam. I mean, we, we release kind of our content every Sunday night. It's really geared for that sales leader, the sales enablement leaders that are out there. Uh, folks in sales operations as they sort of get ready for their week. Nice, fresh bit of content to help them really stay focused on uh, on moving the needle within their organization. Awesome. All right. Um, well, guys, thanks again so much for joining. Um, fun talk track. And for the audience, remember success is just one play away. Want more sales secrets? Go to salessecrets.io to receive copies of our latest research and best practice content to help you crush your quota.